if I could have your attention, please. The tour is about to begin. I'm already bored, Mum. Seriously. Ah, give it a chance, Saoirse. But there's hardly anyone here. It's like our own private tour. How exciting. You're very welcome today for a tour of the museum. Our very own cabinet of curiosity. That sounds good, doesn't it, Saoirse? Yay. It's good to do something educational occasionally. Oh, I must go and take this work call. I'll catch up with you. Fine. So before we begin, I would ask you to consider something. What do we have in the museum, really? You may think of artefacts, uh, like an old pipe or half a golden pendant, a broken sword, or the remains of a wooden boat. All of these old objects or historical things come to mind. But the museum is not really full of things. The museum is full of stories. Stories? Every historical object tells a story. And if you listen very carefully, you will hear them. The first thing that I want you to look at is this old Bible. Now, it comes from France, and it would have been in use a long time ago, in the 1680s. Is there anything you notice about this Bible? On the edges, the paper is scorched, like it's been burnt. Yes, this Bible has been through a lot. Through an oven, in fact. It's been baked. Baked? Yes. This Bible was baked inside a loaf of bread. Weird. Why would anyone do that? Well, that question can only be answered with a story. And that story begins over 350 years ago with a family in France who were facing great danger. that night and I was wrapped up tightly in my blankets drifting in and out of dreams when I felt my mother's hand upon my shoulder. Miriam, wake up my love. Mama, what's going on? It's still dark outside. It's all right. There's no need to worry but you need to get out of bed quickly. I need your help. Here, put on your robe. Is John all right? I heard him coughing. It's not your brother or your little sister. They're both sleeping now. But you must make haste, my love. Come with me. Yes, Mama. As I followed my mother along the stone corridor, past the bedrooms where my little brother and sister, John and Eloise, were deep in sleep, I felt afraid. Things had been difficult for us for a while. As Huguenots, we followed the Protestant faith, but our French king did not like it. He wanted all of France to be Catholic, and he was willing to do anything to get his way. I had heard my parents speak, late at night, of raids by Dragonade, violent soldiers who had come to a Huguenot house to force the family to convert and become Catholic. We had not been visited yet, but we all knew that it was only a matter of time.
Mama, what is going on? Why are we in the kitchen? We are going to do some baking, my dear. And I know it seems very odd, but it must be kept a secret. It was only then that I realised that Mama was clutching something to her chest. It was the family Bible. She placed it on the table and I touched the soft cover gently. Are we going to pray first, Mama? No, my dear. We are going to bake the Bible inside a loaf of bread. I would have laughed if it wasn't for the look on Mama's face. This was no joke. If the Dragonad find this Bible, we'll be in great danger. So we'll wrap it in vellum and we'll bake it in a loaf of bread. It will be hidden and safe. If they arrive in the night, they might see it on the table, but they'll think nothing of it. Or, if we need to leave our home in a hurry, we could take it, and no one would know what it was. You think we might need to leave? Do you mean for us to leave this house, or to leave France? Let's not concern ourselves with that tonight, my dear. Let's just make this special and blessed bread. There was nothing else to say, so I rolled up my sleeves, got the bowls and the ingredients, and we set about our peculiar task. When I awoke the following morning, I might have thought that it was all a dream, that our strange midnight bread baking had never happened, if it wasn't for the flour on my hands and nightdress. It was not until a few weeks later that the idea of leaving came up again. One early morning, while my brother and sister were still asleep, I heard my parents talking in the dining room, so I tiptoed downstairs and listened at the door. Little Jean is not much better. He still has the fever. Arnold, I am afraid he will not survive the journey. Marie, you know we cannot lose this opportunity. There may not be another ship that can take us for months. I think that you and I should stay behind with Jean until he recovers. But Miriam and Eloise must go, while they have the chance. Miriam is only 14 years old, Arnold, and Eloise barely one. Do you really think Miriam will be able to take care of herself and her sister the whole way? There is no other choice. Try not to fret, my dear. My brother already wrote to tell me that all is in order. Listen to what he says. Arnold, my dear brother, I am glad to hear that you, Marie, and the children are well and bearing these difficult times as best you can. I am sorry to hear that the home of your neighbours, the de Villiers family, was ransacked by the Dragonad. It is terrible news, and I pray for your safety. I wish that I could be there in France to help you, but I pray that my letter can give you some hope. I have been in touch with the owner of a merchant ship that will leave La Rochelle on the 7th of June, and he has told me that there will be space on board for you and the family. Life here is comfortable, and there is a small Huguenot community that gave me refuge and welcomed me when I arrived. I look forward to the day when you reach this safe haven also. Take care, your faithful brother, Hugo. You see, Marie, all will be well. The captain will meet us at the dock tonight, and Miriam and Eloise will be hidden on board the ship until they are far out at sea. I'm scared for them. The thought of making such a voyage without us. Miriam is a clever girl. Marie, she will be able to manage. 
Others have made the journey before now, and you must trust that the girls will also succeed. But I'm afraid that something might go wrong. I know, my dear, but we have to have faith. Is everything prepared? The girls must be ready before nightfall. I have packed all that I can fit into the small satchel. Miriam and Eloise will simply wear their best and warmest clothes. God help them. As I stood listening at the door to my parents' conversation, I felt a pain in my heart as I realised, for the first time, that I would soon be leaving my wonderful home of La Rochelle, perhaps forever, and where I was going, I did not yet know. It was nightfall when we left the house, leaving John safe with my father, in case we were visited by the Dragonade. My mother and I tried to seem like a family that was simply going for a walk after supper as we made our way to the shore. In the bay, the silhouette of a small ship stood out against the sky, and as I stared at it, my mother took my hand in hers. I need you to be brave, my child, as you are the mama now, and you must take care of Eloise like I would. Yes, I will try. Your father and I believe you can do this, Miriam. The ship will take you to a city in England called Exeter, and from there you will travel onwards to Dublin, in Ireland. I have written to your father's brother Hugo, who lives there, to explain what has happened, why we are not all travelling together. He will help you, and your father and I will follow with little Jean when he's better. It will be no time at all until we all see each other again. I wanted to show that I was brave, that I was able for this great journey and that I wasn't at all nervous. But as we stood there on the beach, the truth is, I was terrified. I had never been on a ship before and all that I could think of was a painting that hung on our drawing room wall at home. In it, a huge ship was being swallowed whole by an enormous wave as helpless sailors were tossed into the dark water in a mess of sea spray. I glanced out at the bay. Would our little boat survive such a monstrous thing? I couldn't swim, and without me, my sister would have no hope. I was so distracted that I barely noticed the large man who had emerged from the cottage, holding a lamp. Miriam, this is the captain of the ship. He will ensure your safe passage to Exeter. Good evening, sir. I'm risking a lot to do this. I must be well compensated. I need 200 livres for each child. Yes, I will pay you half now, and you will receive the other half when you reach Exeter. It's all there. You can trust that it is. I will count it, madame. You can never be too careful. It's in all our best interest that the money is correct, for I would hate to have to unload the cargo before we reach our destinations. Sir? I would ask you not to speak of my children as cargo. Cargo? Children's all the same to me, madam. Either way, you must keep very quiet until we are far out to sea. 
the ship will be inspected at least twice, maybe three times by the king's men. Miriam understands this, and she will make sure that they are very quiet, won't you, my dear? Yes, Mama. It suddenly felt like everything was happening too quickly, like time itself was speeding up. My mother kissed me, and then she wrapped her cloak around me and held me close for a moment before placing Eloise in my arms. May God bless and protect you both. Take this with you on your trip. She pressed a package into my hand, and before I could say anything else, another sailor approached and lifted us onto his shoulders. I could only wave at my mother as he carried us through the low tide to the ship, his boots splashing through the murky water. Inside the boat, we were lowered into our hiding place before a trap door was closed after us. The space contained many wooden caskets of apples and we climbed into one that had been emptied for us through an opening so small that we could only barely fit through. It was pitch black inside and very uncomfortable, but I tried to use my cloak as a cushion for Eloise. I gently opened the package my mother had given me. Inside was the special loaf of bread we had baked. I held it close to me and wondered at how strange all of this was. We must have fallen asleep with the gentle rocking of the boat, but I awoke with a start to the sound of voices above me. Soldiers! I looked at Eloise, who was still dozing, and I prayed that she would stay asleep. She was too little to understand the danger. We are transporting caskets of apples and some household goods. There have been reports of stowaways in recent weeks. You've not seen anything suspicious? No, nothing at all. Where are your goods, the apples stored? Here, below us. I heard the soldiers' heavy boots above our heads and the trap door being opened. My heart thumped, and I was afraid that even my breath might be loud enough to hear. So there's nothing in these caskets, apart from apples? No, sir. Well then, it won't matter if my men and I run our swords through each one, just to make sure. You're welcome to do so, of course. Fear paralyzed me in that moment. If the soldiers put a sword through the wooden casket that we were hiding in, there was no way for Eloise and I to avoid it. I considered there and then if I should simply surrender, in the hope that it might save our lives. Of course, if you do run your swords through the caskets, some of the apples may be spoiled, and they're they're very nice apples, the best of La Rochelle's orchards, so it's entirely up to you, of course. The best apples of La Rochelle? Well, let's just see about that. An apple would be nice, so I'll just open one of these caskets and choose a nice juicy one. Of course, help yourself. I wondered if the game was up, and we were to be discovered. I held Eloise close to me and said my prayers, waiting for the lid of the casket to be flung open and for us to be hauled out. But nothing happened. And then I heard the creak of one of the other caskets opening. Very nice. I will take a few of these with me, Captain, if you would be so kind. My colleagues and I could do with a snack. Help yourself. It would not be the last time that we were inspected by soldiers, but none had come as close to discovering us as the first ones. 
By the time the morning light began to stream through the wooden slats above us, I knew that we must be far out at sea and finally safe from the king's men. When the captain led us out of our hiding place and I stood on deck with Eloise in my arms, I could see France disappearing behind us in the distance. I wondered when, if ever, we would return. Eloise, can you see the fish down below us? <laughs> we have been at sea for seven whole days. We're real sailors now, aren't we? <laughs> Eloise had been so good for the whole journey, and I looked forward to writing and telling Mama and Papa how well she had behaved, even though it had been difficult for her. The crewmen, all apart from the captain, were most kind, and they shared with us their biscuits, peas and salted meats. But we didn't eat too much, as we had a few rocky days, when the ship was tossed to and fro, and we both were sick as dogs. When we spotted land, I was so excited as I knew that Exeter must be close. But then I spoke to the captain. You will disembark here. Exeter is a few miles, and I can bring you no further. But where are we? This is England. Exeter's not too far. Sir, it looks deserted. How are we to find our way from here? That's not my problem. You will pay me the 200 livres you owe me and disembark. But, sir... Or would you rather swim? I knew that the captain was not a man to be trifled with and that I, a 14-year-old girl would be in no way able to win this battle. I packed our small satchel of belongings, including the special package from Mama, and we said a fond farewell to the kind crewmen. Before we knew it, Eloise and I found ourselves alone in a small harbour, in a place which was clearly not Exeter, and I had no idea whether we were near or far from Ireland. I knew I must not seem upset, for it would frighten my little sister, so I immediately set about finding someone who might help us. Excusez-moi, madame. What is it? I don't speak whatever language that is. I am looking for Exeter. Exeter? Well, this is Salcombe, and Exeter is a few hours from here, I'm afraid. You won't get a lift until morning, I shouldn't think. Oh no. It's just that we came on a ship that was supposed to go to Exeter, and the captain... He just left us here. My sister and I... Refugier? Refugier? I don't know what you're on about, love. We seek... Refuge? Oh right. You're one of those from France. We've had a few show up recently. Well, I think the minister will be able to help you with that. I'll bring you over there. Have you got anything for my trouble? Oh, yes. Would this coin be enough? Yeah, that'll do. Thank you kindly. Follow me. The minister is one of your lot from France too. Mercy. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
I remembered that Mama had said our community would take care of us along the way, but the kindness with which the minister greeted us was more than we could have hoped for. He was from La Rochelle too. He wrote to my parents immediately to tell them that we were safe. And then he wrote to my uncle in Dublin to tell him that he would bring us to Exeter and we would soon depart for the city on another ship. Eloise and I were not looking forward to another time at sea, but the minister assured us that we need not hide in a casket of apples this time. Our journey was much more comfortable and we found that Dublin was quite close. It was pouring rain when we got there and the sailors told me I should probably get used to that, but I didn't mind at all. Eloise, this is Dublin. All we need to do now is find our Uncle Hugo. He looks a little like Papa and... Oh, look, I think I see him. Miriam, Eloise, I am so glad to see you. Let me take your things. Mercy. What is this? You bring a loaf of bread all the way from La Rochelle? It will be stale, inedible. This bread is precious, Uncle. Let me tear it open and you will see. Ah, the family Bible? But baked in bread. And it is still in one piece. What a miracle. Mama told me it would keep us safe. And she was right. Now, girls, come and see the city of Dublin. I think you will be happy here. Now to the next exhibit. Uh, if you could all follow me. Saoirse, did you hear that? They're moving on to the next exhibit. What? Oh, sorry. I was just daydreaming. I almost felt like I was somewhere else. What did I miss? Why are you staring at that Bible? Do you see anything weird about it, Mum? It looks a bit scorched at the edges. That's because it's been baked in an oven. A Huguenot family baked it into a loaf of bread to keep it hidden. Fascinating. How ingenious. I wonder what happened to them. Actually, now that I think of it, it's possible that some of our ancestors were Huguenot. Really? How can we find out more about that? Well, I'm sure there's a website or something. <laughs> Look at you. Interested in history all of a sudden. And I thought you said the museum was boring. Saoirse, uh, where are you going? Come on, Mum. We're missing the tour.
This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.